Hi friends, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast series. Bob Mosier here and we are honored that you've chosen to join us again. In this particular episode, we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Conrad Gofferson, who is the founder and the pioneer of the five moments of need. In this episode, we're going to run at something that for some reason people have perceived us as sort of dismissing and that's knowledge management and the importance of that with content management. In fact, what's so exciting about the discussion we'll share in just a moment is that we're finding that knowledge management and content management are back in a remarkable way when it comes to workflow learning, five moments of need, and the way in which we manage knowledge and the many learning and support assets across the enterprise. So friends, we're excited you're back. We look forward to the dialogue, love to hear your feedback, and hope you enjoy the information that follows. Welcome back, friends, to another Performance Matters podcast series, 78, creeping up on 80. <laughs> Spectacular. And once again, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, a dear friend of mine, hero in this industry, Dr. Conrad Gottfriedson. Con, great to have you back for another one of these. Yeah, it's always great to be talking and sharing ideas with you, Bob. Yeah, your insights are always just remarkable. So, friend, this is something, it, I don't know if you know this, but when I first met you, I don't think I don't get, we can say how many years ago, you were, <laughs> it, it was because of this, content yeah. management, knowledge management. You have been as involved kind of in this discipline as anyone I've ever known and know it, I think, as well as maybe anyone in the world knows it. And obviously relative to our podcast, which is performance and, and five moments and stuff. So help, help us with one-on-one here, if you don't mind. Question one. What the heck is it? I mean, what knowledge management, content management, I, I don't think people understand. I think they may be interchanged sometimes. They don't know what either of them are. So what are they and are, are they the same or are they different? Well, content management is a subset of knowledge management. Enterprise knowledge management is everything that an organization is doing to manage their uh, the information, the, the, the content, the structured and unstructured data that they have and keeping it uh, current. Organizational knowledge management is just this process of managing and keeping current and making available the information that the organization captures daily in mass. You know, information is made up of, it consists of data pulled together, either structured or unstructured or a mix of that data. By unstructured, that's the stuff we write, content, you know, structured and unstructured data. That we formulate that all every day into information products or which are like reports and other mm -hmm. things that we build and create. And the management of all of that is what knowledge management is about. Capturing, preserving it, keeping it current, making it available to the organization. The challenge is that organizations are overrun with knowledge assets. Yeah. You know, they're just everywhere. And so most knowledge management efforts are all about getting to it. And the ways in which we get to it can be overwhelming and mind-boggling. Content management is very different. It's, it's a sub-part of that, but it's where we start to actually manage that content in a way that helps us manage the creation of that content, 
and in reality, moving to what we call single source publishing. That's at the heart of content management. It's where you have one source of truth and you take that piece of content and you use it in all the different ways that it needs to be used. Uh, that's called reuse across information products, the kinds of information products or information components that we build, the assets that we create. So did content management come along to help make sense of knowledge management? Well, yeah, so there there are all these challenges in the world of managing the knowledge assets of an organization, right? It's like scattered everywhere and there's it's duplicated and some isn't up to date and some some is. And so when you try to bring order to the chaos, the knowledge chaos of an organization, you've got to you've got to at some point face ah, we need a single source of truth of this. And we can't have people going out and duplicating it everywhere, you know, because then what's the most current yeah. when we update it? Because it changes. So, friend, let's take it maybe one layer deeper. LCMS, learning content management system. So we talk about KM, CM, right? What's the L do? Well, the L do narrows it to the learning content that we need to manage in our profession to build the solutions that we build. Mm -hmm. And so true learning content management is about figuring out what is it that we are delivering? What are the content objects that we need to create to build and orchestrate in the creation of our deliverables? And then what are the structures that we need to have in those various content objects. And then it requires some technology for us to be able to then automate all of that. And by the way, a whole lot of metadata. And that's the challenge has been that historically, when we made a run at this, what, <laughs> in the late 90s, when we made a run at true uh, reusable learning mm -hmm. objects. We did it all wrong. We made some serious mistakes. And because of that, we tried to manage content at the wrong level. And we mm -hmm. were looking for reuse in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. And the end result was that we abandoned content management practices for the mm -hmm. most part. And we gave up on reuse, which was a huge mistake. What has happened is now that we're moving beyond learning the formal learning deliverable yeah. side of things into the workflow, then we're running up against the whole knowledge management yes. practices. But also, we're, that's where we're finding the reuse. Back in the mid-90s, I was helping an organization with their reusable content practices, their content management practices. And they had a learning content effort going on where they reusable learning objects, but they were and they were looking for reuse. And I was working in another part of the organization where we were dealing with their technical content. Mm -hmm. And I found a 90% reuse opportunity with what their technical content had and what they needed in their learning content. The problem was that the learning folks had blinders on and weren't looking beyond their myopic view at the time 
of learning and what learning should be. Big mistake. And we've paid for it since. So let me ask you a question, Con. So part of the impetus of this podcast was that a friend of ours overheard that we batch content management. That we don't <laughs> like we 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 talk negatively of it. We make fun of the systems or the oh, you know no. the, the size of them or the to your point, the more the legacy of them than the discipline. Why now, Con? Why why are we circling back to this? And why do why do we think it's so important in the five moments in our work we talk about? Well, uh, I don't know about all the folks that are listening in, but I suspect that everybody's experiencing the pain right now of so much content mm-hmm. and that content not being up to date and creating new content because I can't find that content that I wrote or that we developed a year ago that right. would be relevant here. And because of the speed in which we need to do things and the breadth of the deliverables that we're now looking at creating, we have nowhere to turn but to return to solid content management practices. And that doesn't mean that we need to buy a technology right now or we need to step into the LCMS world, but doggone it, we need to begin to employ the solid fundamental content management practices that can have us be prepared when the time comes. And frankly, the whole uh, generative AI movement, there's a compelling case for us to begin to apply these fundamental principles because those principles, those practices of managing content can help AI be a lot smarter, a lot faster. I think what surprises a lot of our five moments of need folks when they foray into this is if you think about the pyramid, the top three layers, context, steps, supporting knowledge, we've been writing that all along. That's a reorchestration of what I wrote in a lesson. Yeah. But then the pyramid doesn't stop there. The next three layers of resource, learning, and people resources, all those resource categories is a lot of knowledge and a lot of content. And when we ask our IDs and our L&D teams to pass that larger of a net, all of a sudden this whole content management world of these other things lying around swamp their ship because yeah. they, you know, we've stayed in our, to your point, kind of myopic world of in this lesson you will learn. And there's background and there's steps and examples and and those content types. So this whole world of a digital coach and the pyramid has really brought this discipline back. And I know I wasn't steeped in it. And I, I don't think most IDs enter the discipline or come out of academia with any sense of that world. Yeah, yeah. So, so Con, what are three things? Again, let's make it helpful to those and most who sit there. How do you get started? What, what are three things, Con, you recommend people do to begin embracing this as part of their work? Well, the first and foremost, the the lowest hanging fruit, if we want to really embrace content management and the strength of it and take advantage of what AI is offering us, is that we need to structure our content. We need to create consistent content structures for the fundamental types of content that we develop. But that requires us to, to recognize that there's a difference between a task that has steps 
and a supporting knowledge topic. And that is all different from a frequently asked question or, or an actual learning activity. All of those need to have a consistent structure. As we identify those types of content and then structure them, that's the fundamental. We need to put structured authoring back into play in the work that we do. That's number one. Number two has to do with as looking across all of our deliverables. <laughs> when we do deliverable analysis uh, with organizations that where we're helping them with their content management and knowledge management practices, we find a lot of many different versions and types of deliverables, but they, they overlap. And mm -hmm. so looking at what is it that we create? Do we have a participant guide? That's one thing, but do we have five different types of participant guides or do we have a participant guide? Or the other kinds of deliverables that we have, we need to look at them and challenge them and ask what are the deliverables that we need to have and can we consolidate some of these things? So one of the things that we do often is we consolidate the participant guide and the facilitator guide into a single document with a structure that allows you to have both reside in the single document rather than two. And so it's consolidating deliverables and knowing what those deliverables are. And then within those deliverables, looking at the types of content that make up those deliverables and putting structure in them. So that's two. And then the third thing that we can do in the world of content management is look at how we manage the life cycle, if you will, of that content and roles and responsibilities. It becomes very important because we have to keep it current and so forth. So we need to know, you know, who is a steward? I often use the term the steward for the integrity of the content, for the integrity of the solution. Who is the steward for keeping it updated and current? You know, there are these different roles and, and how long before we challenge or look and to see if this piece of content needs to be refreshed, if you will. All of that is a roles and responsibility and defining the life cycle of the content that we develop. Those three things, you don't need technology to do them. Technology can help. Yeah, we're often a technology first audience, right? Yeah. And and yeah. so kind of is governance in that last part? Is that is that a part oh, of that? Or is, sure. Or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, it used to be when our only focus was on formal learning solutions, <clears throat> we could control and manage all of it, right? <laughs> right. But as we step across the five moments of need and as we step into the workflow, we're on the turf of the business at that point. And we're building solutions that are helping the line of business do their work, right? And be effective in what they do. And so there needs to be this partnership. And that's why we need to define roles and responsibilities, but also then governance guidelines and understanding so that we know who owns what mm -hmm. and, and the journey. And again, that is becoming more and more challenging, which is what's pushing us toward being more formal in how we go about content management. 
You know, I love your point about not needing technology. You know, obviously, eventually, and it's a part yep. of the whole journey, but there are these things to consider first. In all honor and respect for our, our beloved technology partners, and I was one once, uh, actually twice in my life, and, you know, no one wants to call our baby ugly. And we, we have such belief in our systems that they can and, and maybe should do everything. Although, you know, we find out in reality they can't, right? It would just be so nice to find that silver bullet. But there's some hard work involved here. When they foray into those things you just talked about, Connor, you know, much of your lifetime journey into this, one of my favorite expressions you say a lot at times, especially when we listen to organizations talk about where they're going, is, you know, a lot of quicksand here. You know, there's a lot of, yeah, yeah. you know, so, so the three things to start are one thing. The reality is in, in journeying into that, there are probably blind spots, pitfalls, potholes. What's the quicksand in this discipline? What what should people be on the lookout for or or be careful of or be ready for in this journey? Yeah. Well, one of them is uh, you don't drown in quicksand, but you can get stuck to where you Wait, wait, in, in yeah. Hollywood, people sink into it and they that, just disappear. No, no, that doesn't happen. What happens is you get stuck, <laughs> you can't get out, and so you die or some beast comes by. And But uh, so getting stuck is the problem. And one of the areas that one of the most significant is organizations underestimate the vital need for and the challenges around metadata and managing that metadata. Mm. And again, it starts by understanding structures as you create structures, as you do the, you need to be thinking about the metadata around it. Uh, there are three kinds of metadata, you know, metadata that helps us access what it is that we need to access. And that's where most organizations begin and stop. They think they've got their metadata figured out because they're dealing with access. But there's also the management of the content, the managing and protecting the content throughout its life cycle. And there is metadata that has to be identified to help with that. And then when you get to true single source publishing, there's metadata that helps a system then understand how to orchestrate the various kinds of content to build what needs to be built automatically. So the type of content that this is and, you know, metadata management is a, a huge sticking point uh, <laughs> for, for organizations. A second is boiling the ocean. Mm. And, and that's where you can get swamped. You can swamp your ship. You, you need to start small and move forward, you know, in all of this. That's why I, I said structuring your content is the beginning of that, because if you wait to get your LCMS in place, then at some point you're going to have to structure it. If not, if not, then you're going to step into a, a really murky, challenging world of all of that. Some organizations have the wherewithal, the funding and the ability, and it can be a multi-year project to get true learning content management with all of its systems in place and get your structures built. I mean, there is a systematic way of going about that, and you just don't want to try to boil the entire ocean too fast. And the last and the greatest quicksand area is 
buying an LCMS before you know what you're going to do with it. Mm. Holy moly. <laughs> that That is a recipe for failure. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of technologies out there who claim to be learning content management systems. Many are in part, but they they lack critical or key capabilities. And so if you don't know and haven't defined your strategy and your reuse practices, what you're doing, if you haven't defined that and defined your structures and know exactly what you're doing, then you're going to fall prey to the constraints of the technology. And that will lead you down a skunk hole that can ultimately end in failure. That's one of those quicksands where you you actually die. So friend, digital coach. Yeah. Why is this so exciting to you in the context of this discipline? What does it do for or how does it need or marry with all we've talked about? Well, a digital coach, what Glory Gary called an EPSS, sits at the crossroads of all knowledge management practices going on and everything going on in the learning world. You know, in knowledge management, we've got content management practices, document management, but the role is to inform and maintain folks really at the moments of solve and change. You know, I need to be able to resolve a business challenge. I need to be able to get to the most current information. You've got the learning side of things, which is focusing on learning new and learning more. And they've got their learning management system and all of that. Well, a digital coach sits on the top of those two worlds as they intersect. And it reaches out and pulls the information, the resources, the knowledge assets, wherever they lie, and brings them and makes them available in the context of the moment of apply Mm -hmm. and the moments of solve and the moments of change, even the moments of learn new and learn more in the flow of work. Two clicks, 10 seconds, I can get to just what I need to be able to perform every job task I need to perform. So it's sitting on top and orchestrating all that's going on, if that makes sense. It's the ultimate broker of knowledge and learning resources. So can, we, we don't hate CAM. We, uh, it's an integral part oh. of the whole journey. I guess the fourth mistake, quicksand, would be <laughs> to step up and battle the knowledge management practices of an organization, you have to embrace them and be friends and work with them. That's the only way to succeed. And because they hold the cards, uh, you know, in this journey. Stunning. And a brave new world for us as we've. Thanks friend. As always spectacular, great insights, a lot to be, not to be learned. And, And as always, we thank you so much for your journey and who you are and, and what you bring to this conversation. Thanks for being here again. Thank you, Bob. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.